All right, so um, I want to start off with a, with a question this morning. And you're going to have to, I mean, I hope you had a little caffeine or something. Wake up a little bit. Because uh, here it is. Here's the question. I want you to think back to a place or experience that influenced you in a significant and positive way. Right? And I did this last night, and some of the group just couldn't think. I thought, what negative lives you've led? Because they couldn't think of one. Right? So try it just for a moment to see if you can think of one. And I'm stalling just a little bit, so you're thinking while I'm talking. All right? And now I'm going to share one of mine, and you, if you haven't got yours yet, you keep thinking maybe mine will trigger something for you. For me, I was 11 years old. And every summer, my parents would take the three boys, my, my two older brothers and myself, and, and my mom said, thought summer camp was such a good idea right, all at one time for a full month up in Canada, about as far away from her as she could get us. And, um, and they paid the price gladly to have us up. I don't understand. But so we'd go up to Canada, and it was a Christian camp, but it wasn't a church camp, and there's a difference. Um, I don't know how to say that, but it, so people from all kinds of different backgrounds at this camp, and, um, and the, the focus of the camp was actually wilderness kinds of experiences. So it was up north of Minnesota, there was, where there's 100,000 lakes in Manitoba, not 10,000 in Minnesota, a little wimpy Minnesota, 100,000. And we would go on canoe trips um, from each of your little cabin groups. The experience during the, your two-week session, and we were there for two two-week sessions, would be to have a canoe trip. You start off with one day, three days, five days. As you get older, you get longer ones. When I'm 11, I'm on a, like a seven-day canoe trip with a guy, and the counselor who was with us the whole time, probably in his 40s, um, he was our camp counselor in his 40s, and he came and he lived with 11-year-old boys, and he took us out on canoe trips, and there was another leader with us and that kind of thing, and I was in the canoe with him one day, and I was probably griping because my arms hurt and we're paddling and I'm 11, and he, he looks at me from this canoe, and he goes, you know what, Doug? are you paying any attention to what's around you right now? And I go, what do you mean? And he goes, have, have you noticed the white pine trees? And he goes, whenever I see a white pine against that blue sky, he goes, I just think of God's creativity and the trees reaching up and honoring him. With their, and it reminds me of how great God is. He's telling me this. I'm just trying to paddle a canoe and he's getting all religious on me in the boat, right? But I'm going to tell you, it's stuck. Right? Because I can't look at a white pine tree anymore without thinking, you know what, they're just praising God and creation reminds me. And some of you think, you know, you look at Doug and I've, I've heard some of you say, you know, when I see the wilderness, Doug, I kind of think of you, well, this is part of the imprint on my life. It's the influence um, that, that that person had and going to camp had. And, and that was the first camp, by the way, where another two guys just talking and the other, me and another guy, and he looks at me and goes, hey, Doug, can, I, can we pray together? Well, I'm like, I, well, I don't know. You know, I'm kind of backing up from it because no one ever did that before. That's, it was weird to think of someone praying. That was for pastors and moms when they tuck you in, but not for two men, you know, on a walk or something. And, and that opened up a whole new world for me and, and influenced me. By the way, this was so influential that when I got married, I actually learned how to draw um, white pine trees. And if you looked at my wedding ring, uh, you would see the remains after years and years and years of marriage of two white pine trees that are still on there because I just wanted to go, this is all about honoring God. It became a symbol for me. All right, that was one of my influential moments. Did you, did you get one? Do you have, let's do a hand raise on this. I've got one, Doug. I've got one. Raise your hands. I want to get it. I do need to see your hands. Okay, perfect. The rest of you, I'm so sorry. All right, all right. So 
Last week, I want to review a little bit. Last week, I started the message upside down. I started with what's at stake. If you were here, you remember. If you weren't here, I'd love for you to go back and listen to it because these these messages kind of build on each other. But one of the things we said was, hey, what's at stake with this whole series? For everyone is regret of a life with impact, of living a low-impact life. That there's going to come a day when we're in a nursing home where we're just really old and we're sitting in the rock and we're banging our cane and we're going, "Uh, you know, the one thing I regret... Um, and, and it won't be that we didn't spend more time at the office, that we didn't make another $10,000. It could be, did my life make a difference? And the stakes are so much higher than, than money in office and th- the things that we worry about every single day. At the very end, we're going to be asking different questions. And I think one of them is going to come up. Did, did I have an impact? Did I have an influence? And for followers of Jesus, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus here today, it's even higher stakes for us because we know that Jesus said that we're supposed to be the salt of the earth, the, the light of the world, which means we're supposed to influence those around us. Our lives should change something. You know, like salt changes the taste of something, it influences it, and, and light brightens up a room so people can see where they're going, it influences. Uh, we, we're supposed to be that for the world. So there's a lot at stake. And then I took you into sort of the seminar portion, and I said there's really three dynamics about influence. Um, if you think about someone who's influenced you, you'll go, I, I, I respected them, I had exposure to them, like a 40-year-old for, for four weeks at a camp, that's a lot of exposure, right, and, and learning and And he had my respect, he had my exposure, and then I knew the guy cared about me. He loved me, right? It's not not love, oh, I'm so in love with you. It's love, you authentically give a rip about that other person. The more those three things are true about, about someone that you look to, the more they have a chance to influence you. And the more those three things are true about you for someone else, the more opportunity you're going to have to influence. By the way, we know that whether your parents loved you or not, and by the way, it's a horrible thing if they didn't, they have so much exposure. Even if you didn't have love and have respect, they're going to have a huge amount of influence in your life, probably in, in, in sort of the kind of influence that you're going to need counseling to get over. But they can't help it. All three of those by themselves will influence you, but the combination of them is the sweetest spot where the greatest influence takes place. So if you want to influence someone else, we said this last week, live a life worthy of respect. That is the easiest one to throw away in the shortest amount of time. I mean, think how fast you can lose a marriage. That's how fast you can lose respect from your kids. You know, um, treat your spouse poorly, and your kids are going to see it and lose respect. And those are, for those of us who are parents, we go, that's the number one place we want to influence is our kids. Secondly, so live a life worthy of respect. Uh, and by the way, I, I mean, I can lose all my respect in this room in a heartbeat, right? You find out I'm embezzling funds from the church. That's why I keep that a secret, because I don't want you to find out. Um, so live life worthy of respect. Give time and risk transparency. It's not just time, but it includes time. And it's not just transparency, but it includes transparency. You've got to be with, with the people you want to influence. You've got to be with them, and you have to be you. And you've got to be honest. The more you do that, the, more, the, the higher influence we're going to have in each other's lives. And the last one is authentic love. We're going to talk more about that today. So... Last week, we turned it upside down. We said, yeah, this isn't just about us. This is about us and God, too. And if we want God's influence in our life, it starts with respect for God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's respect for God. And 
We've got to learn who he is and read his word and learn to walk with him. That's the exposure part. And learn to do life in the presence of God. And the last one is the more we understand how much God loves us, the greater we're going to be able to respond and love with him. And when all three of those are big with God, he changes our lives. And so we can lean into those things and seek those things from God and, and grow. All right, now we're to today's message. That was just summary and, and for free. So here's today's message. I'm going to start with the very end of the message. I'm going to tell you what I want you to do, which I normally save to the end, but here's what I'm going to want you to do. What I'm going to ask at the end is simply this. I'm going to ask you to circle up. I'm going to ask you to circle up. You'll understand that a little bit more later on. Let me take you back to that question that I asked you. Do you have that place, that experience that influenced you in a significant way? Many of you raised your hands. Here's the follow-up question to it. Were you in a row or were you in more of a circle, right? And by the way, two people, I know that's a line because there's only two points. We're going to call that a little circle of relationship. Three people, you got a little triangle of relationship. Four people, you got a square. We'll just call it a circle, okay? All of those shapes. You got a circle. Were you in a row when that experience took place or were you more in a circle? So raise your hand if you were in a row when that took place. Take a look around the room. See all those hands? There's not one, I don't think there's one hand up. And with that, we might as well just quit today because we're in rows and I'm not going to influence. But it's not, that's not where it took place. How many of you go, it was a circle, much more of a circle. Look at all the hands, right? And and that's, that's why circles are so critical. Circles, we said this from the very beginning of Crosswinds, circles are where life change takes place. We do great at information in this kind of row thing. Right? And, we, and, and we worship together well, and we do some other things well in rows. But circles, circles are where life change takes place. Circles are all about relationships. In rows, all you see is the back of each other's heads and my face. I'm sorry. Right? But, but that's why we have you greet each other for a moment. Because just for a brief second, we want to have like a gazillion circles in the room. And then we go, that's enough circles, sit down. And then we start the row stuff back together again. But circles, face-to-face, this is where relationships are built. This is where we influence each other. And we are supposed to influence each other. This is something God calls the church to do. Don't just meet for rows. Influence each other. So let me take you to a passage in Ecclesiastes. Let me remind you what Ecclesiastes is all about. If I was to make one line summary, Solomon, King Solomon, wisest man who ever lived, uh, just ask him, he's the one who said that. Uh, He said... This, this whole book could have been called How to Waste Your Life. And what he did is he goes through and he tries all different things and he goes, ah, that's a good way to waste your life. That's a good way to waste your life. That's a good way to waste your life. And then in chapter 4, 7 through 12, he's going to talk about another way to waste your life. Here's what he says. I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. When you hear meaningless under the sun, that just means a good way to waste your life. right? It has no meaning to it. This is the case of a man who is all alone right he's all alone without a child so he doesn't have the family circle the immediate family circle or a brother he doesn't even have the family of origin circle right he's alone and yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can but then he asks himself who am i working for why am i giving up so much pleasure now by the way this is probably when he's older right Why did I kill myself doing that stuff? What difference did it make? Who did I do this for? I feel like I've wasted so much time. And I've misspent my life. I've wasted my life. And he says, it's all so meaningless. 
and depressing. It's a man without circles. Right? And then he, on the same theme, he starts talking about the value of circles, right? These relationships. He says two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Right? They can cheer each other on, encourage each other, they can work together, all those kinds of things. And then he goes on, he says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone, alone, that guy's in real trouble. Right? Now, this was written in the Middle East. And I picture them out at night in the, in the desert. There, was no, there wasn't often a place to stay, and they're doing agricultural kinds of things. If a guy is alone, he trips and falls in the desert. And no one knows. There's, they don't have cell phones. 911, that wasn't a possibility. Right? They're, the guy's in real trouble. I mean, serious, serious trouble. We can, we can relate to this. If it's January, you slip on some ice, and no one knows where you are, and you hurt yourself, you are in real trouble very, very quickly. Right? And it doesn't matter, by the way, how you get in trouble. It could be that you caused your own trouble. Right? Well, if you weren't so stupid, that wouldn't have happened. You wouldn't have had that fall. Well, of course. But if you've got someone to help you, they'll still help you. They won't look and go, you know what? Sorry, you got into this. You can get out of this. Good luck. And they keep on walking. Right? It doesn't matter if someone stuck out their foot and you tripped over them. Someone else caused it. The person who's alone is always going to be in real trouble. Likewise, he goes on, two people lying close together can keep, keep each other warm. Right? This, this sounds a little strange to us, but I'm telling you that um, when Lori and I were were in college, we took a, a winter camping class, and they said, man, when you get hypothermia, your body temperature starts to drop, the best thing you can do is crawl in a sleeping bag together and keep each other warm, right? And Lori and I were dating at the time, and I said, how do you get hypothermia? How does that happen? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you could be with a complete stranger, and if you get hypothermia on a winter camping trip, Believe me, you don't have to, it, you, every, every fear and awkwardness will be gone because both of you will be saying, we got to keep warm. And by yourselves in separate sleeping bags, you're going to die. Together, you could, you could, there's nothing sexual about it. Believe me, you're just going to warm up. That's all that's going to take place there. But how can one be warm alone? You're in huge trouble. You're going you're gonna to die. Right? A person standing alone, he's switching now to a, more of a... a uh, attack military kind of thing or maybe people just coming and attacking you a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated but two can stand back to back and conquer right you ever hear someone say i got your six that means they they got the bottom half of your, you got your 12 they got your six behind you they are with you they're going to cover your backside for you right maybe it's not a military thing or an attack thing but but they've got you right and, and so that's kind of the idea here and then he goes on he says three are even better and he's still thinking in the military. For a traded braided cord is not easily broken. Excuse me, a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Why is that? Because of redundancy. Right? There's not one of you that can defeat the... If one's going down, the other two stand and guard them. There's more people. There's more, you're not on your own. You've got some redundancy, and you're stronger that way. And his point really is, you've got to circle up. You can't just do life in, in, in rows. Circles are critical. It's circles are going to be your number one place of help. So I'm going to tell you a little secret about, about crosswinds. One of the best moments of crosswinds, and it happens every so often, is someone will come up to me and they go, yeah, I was in the hospital last week. And I'm like, what? You were in the hospital last week? Yeah, I had kidney surgery or something, right? Whatever it is. And I'll go, you were, why didn't you call me? 
go, I didn't need you. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, my small group was praying for us. My small group circle, my circle, right, came down and prayed with us, and they made meals for us, and they visited us, and they're taking care of me. Doug, we don't need you. That is one of the best moments ever because the church is being the church at that point instead of leaning into, you know, the quote-unquote, the professional. Now, having said that, please let me know because <laughs> I can at least add my prayer to your circle and maybe I'll come down and see you, you know. It depends on the, you know, what, what you want. But, but how cool is that, the kind of help that comes from, from circles? By the way, you'll know whether you have a circle or not when you decide that you need to move from one house to another. Right? Because you'll be thinking, well, who will help? Who will help? And if you don't have circles, if all you've done is rows, you're going to be lifting some heavy furniture all by yourself. And that this is kind of how it works. So circles are where help comes Circles are where wisdom comes from. Right? I've got, I've got people in my life there's, who through my life have been in my circles. I've, I've lived a life, I'm not bragging, just saying, I've lived a life of circles. We've, Lori and I have always done that. It's part of our DNA and the way we're made and what we do. And we've known the importance of it. But from the circles, I've pulled out people who, who are just wise about stuff maybe that I'm not or haven't been or wasn't at the time. You know, I remember asking somebody, hey, what's this 403k3b Roth traditional IRA all about, right? And they're like, Doug, you just mixed up four different savings plans in one sentence. And I'm like, well, that's okay. I wasn't going to save anyway. Wah! You know, <laughs> let's talk about that and help coach me. You know, and then there's relational dynamics that people have coached us about. And we've gained wisdom from people, not because we went and paid professionals, but because we were in the right circles. And, and by the way, just a place for free help. Come on. Don't you like the word free? You know, and, but this is a life of circles. You gain so much wisdom. You gain safety. Because people will warn you when they see stuff going on. You're like, you know, Doug, this is your third... Uh, week away from home, are you sure this is good for your wife and your kids? Maybe, this, I was a youth pastor, maybe you should slow down the pace of what you're doing so that you're still raising your children instead of just being good at your job. Right? Who, who gets to speak that kind of truth into my life? It's somebody in my circle. Somebody who's looking out for me. I want you to think for a moment of a time in your life where you go, oh, this was so much fun. This was so much joy. Right? And I don't know, can you think of a place where you had this, this I hope you've had this in your life, where there's, that was just a joyous place to be, a very, you know, maybe it's around Christmas, or maybe it's Thanksgiving with the, with the family, or maybe you went to a sporting event, or maybe whatever it is, you know, a place where there was tremendous joy. Raise your hand if that joy was in a circle. When you thought that joy, you just said, yeah, just about everybody. I mean, it's hard to generate a lot of joy in rows. I mean, we can't, I'm not saying that worship isn't great. It is. It's awesome. But the very best in our lives, the very best, takes place in circles. Right? Why is that? It's because in a circle, you can know other people and be known by them. When you're known and you know other people, it's incredibly satisfying. Why is that? Because God created you for it. God created that, that you're not supposed to do life by yourself. 
By the way, this is why when you're watching a sunset go down, so on the way into church this morning, I saw the sunrise, very rare event, and I saw the sunrise. I mean, it happens every day, I just don't see it. So I'm driving down the road, and I see the sunrise, and Lori right now is with 30 other women on a retreat, right? So it's quarter to seven on my way to the, to the place where I work out to get that done this morning before coming and seeing all of you. And so I snap a picture of it on my phone, and I, I pulled over, by the way, and then I texted her, you know, you know, the sunrise, and I go, good morning, right? And then about five minutes later, I look at my phone, and it says, shh. <laughs> that was it. Like, don't ever text me again at this time of day. <laughs> right? I knew exactly what she was telling me. So it's, but it's know and be known, and we're created for it. But when I saw that sunrise, what did I want to do? I wanted to share it with someone. I wasn't going to call you guys up, so I bothered my wife instead because I wanted that moment. That's why I sent her a picture. Right? But if, she, if we're at home and the sun's going down, and, Lori, Lori, you got to look at this. We see a deer go in the water. Lori, Lori, look at the deer. Right? So there's a lot of Lori, Lori's look at this kind of stuff at my house. But it's know and be known and, and share it. It's love and be loved. That only happens in circles. We don't love very well in rows. We love great in circles when we see each other's faces. And it's also to challenge and be challenged. Right? Someone's saying, Doug, are you even... Are you out of your mind? Why are you doing life this way? Well, to be able to speak that truth into my life, you probably need to know me a little bit. I might get a little defensive if you just come at me cold turkey, right? But, but if you know me and I know you love me and I respect you and you've got something you've got to speak truth into my life, I, please, please, I need, I need to hear it because I trust you and I know you love me and I know you're not trying to hurt me. You're for me and you know me and I know you and I love you and you love me and this is a circle. Circles are the place of greatest influence for those very reasons. Now let me jump to another passage, a passage about circles, although my guess is you haven't heard it taught in circles. So here it is, Hebrews 10. The author of Hebrews is writing to first century church who are under great duress, right? They're being persecuted for being following Jesus. And here's what he writes. He says, let us hold tightly. Why do we have to hold tightly? Because we're under great duress, because people are mad that we're following Jesus. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Christ is risen from the dead. He died for our sins. He's alive again. That's our future too. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. We don't know how long we're going to live, but Jesus said, in my Father's house there are many rooms, and there's a room with your name on it. There's a room with your name on it, and someday you're going to be there with me. That's one of the promises that these people were holding on to. I hope you're holding on to the same promise. Right? And then he goes on, he says, let us think of ways to motivate one another. In other words, influence one another to acts of love and good works. By the way, it's in a circle that someone's going to say to you directly, hey, how are you serving Jesus these days? Only it has to be a really good circle for that to come up. It has to be a really intimate circle for someone to raise that question. How are we trying to serve God and how are we doing acts of love and good works for the world? Right? But let us think of ways to motivate each other. Let's influence each other. And let us not neglect meeting together. And this is, this, is, this is every pastor's favorite passage. You know why? Because they want to make sure you come to church. And they want to go, the Bible says, don't neglect meeting together. And what they're saying is, come and fill my rows on the weekend. Right? Hold on to that. Don't neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. By the way, encourage each other. Better in rows or circles? 
Both are good, but circle's probably stronger. Right? When they said um, meeting together, don't neglect meeting together, we think rows, they thought circles. Why is that? Because they were home-centered instead of building-centered. When we start a church, we build a building, and we come to church. At that time, they went to each other's homes every single day and hung out together. They lived in circles. We live in isolation, and we come together for, for rows. Right? So hold on to that thought. But that's just the way it was. Now, did they ever get together in rows? Absolutely. Jesus taught 5,000 people. I'm pretty sure they sat in more or less rows so they could all look at him. Um, And when the apostles were teaching, I'm sure they sat in rows. But they met every day in circles. They lived in circles. Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ, the author says. Remember how you remained faithful even though it meant terrible suffering? Sometimes... You were exposed to public ridicule and you were beaten. And sometimes you helped others else who were suffering the same things. In other words, they were really being tortured as, as a community. You know, and you hear about Bob got beat up on the street down, and people beat him up. Why? Because he's part of us, because he's a follower. And they, he's saying, don't give up meaning together because you've got to encourage each other and keep going and hold on to the faith. This is really important. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. You suffered with them. Some of you went to jail and some of you went and visited those in jail and cared for them. When all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. Why did you do that? Right? Well, the answer, the answer was because Jesus didn't own anything. So I guess I'm a little more like Jesus now that everything's been taken away from me. And they'd accept that with that kind of joy. They weren't happy, but they were deeply satisfied. Right? And when I think about that passage, that you know, if, you, if everything's taken away from you, you're more like Jesus, I just pray, Jesus, that's the one way I don't want to be like you. <laughs> and it's true, I don't. I wouldn't be happy if everything was taken away, but I think I'd find my joy because Christ would be all I've had. I'd be, I'd be more focused. You knew there were better things waiting for you. This is why you didn't mind that will last forever. The less you have, the more you hold on to Christ. And the harder, and these people didn't have much, right? And what I really want you to catch is that they met in circles over and over again. Why did they meet in circles? Because they were so desperate for each other to strengthen and encourage. And they didn't have big buildings. And they met in circles. Now, are rows or circles better? It's a trick question. The answer is yes. It depends what you're doing. How awesome is it to sing together? You know, my small groups, my circles, most of them, I'm, they didn't get recruited because of their singing ability. Right? We're not in a group together because we sing well because I can't sing, so we're, it's not, we're not a band. That's not my circle. Right? But together, it's an awesome thing. And by the way, if you've ever been with 5,000 people singing worship songs, it's a different experience. And they're standing in rows. They're not circling up. They're standing in rows and, and they're singing. But if we're talking about being known and loved and challenging and motivating each other, there's something about circles that can't be beat. So the answer is they're, they're both critical. I, don't, I want you to keep coming and coming and coming every single stinking week right here. That's what I want. Why? Because 
because I'm a pastor and I'm leading a church and it looks good for me and it is good for you, right? I mean, there's mixed motivations, all those kinds of things. We want a big church, of course. We want to reach all the lost. We want to be great. And it's, I'm not saying it's holy. I'm just saying it's true, right? But, but we can't miss out on the circle. So what's the influence of the circle going to depend on? Well, the circle itself will have sort of a culture of, do I respect the people? The more you respect the people in your group, the higher the influence can be. Do we, how long have we met? One meeting isn't going to do it, right? Over time, you know, hey, six weeks, that's good. You know, we did a year together. We did five years together. Group circles, circles come and go. In your life, they will, they have in mind, they will in, in yours. But there's an exposure element. And, and then there's, do these people care? Do they really love me? And the more those things are true about the group, the more the group will influence you. But also within the group, each person's going to get their own REL score. And those people will be able to speak in your life more than the person sitting next to them in the very same circle. Now let me ask you another key question. Are rows or circles easier to enter? How many of you go, uh, circles are easier to enter, to be a part of? Okay. So my guess is you're a little bit more introverted. My, that's my free guess, right? Because sometimes, oh, I just can't enter a group of 50 to 100. Or I, I, I'm, I get, how many of you say, no, 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 rows are easier to, to raise your hands, be brave. Okay, the majority, the majority. Last night, nobody thought circles were the place to enter. So, and I think, I think myself, I think circles are harder. Because the moment you walk in a circle, you know what they say to you? So who are you? Right? That kind of moment. And sometimes when you're entering a circle, it seems like the circle's real tight, and if you're the new person, it's a little awkward. Right? And sometimes you feel excluded. They, um, a group of scientists got together and they made this film about group dynamics and how hard it is to be the new person into a group. I just want to show it to you and then we'll, we'll talk about it.
Okay, so as you look at that picture, which one are you? Who did you relate to in that? And I'm telling you, if, if you're entering a new group, a new circle, right, it, you, and especially a circle that already exists, it's really easy to imagine that they're all like that, chirp, 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 talking about you. And, kind of, and it's hard. It's hard to get, to get in. It's, it's, it's risky to take that step. So are roles or circles easier to enter? I, I think roles are. Nobody, you can come in and kind of be anonymous in a lot of role situations, right? Sometimes you pay for tickets and you just go and you have a wonderful time together. And, but, but circles, circles have high risk to them. And that makes us risk the danger of missing out on them. So the challenge of a circle, being in a, in a circle, I'm going to tell you there's a challenge to it. It's the number of likes required for you to be at peace with that circle, right? Let me tell you what I'm, I'll explain this. So this happens with just two couples getting together for friendship, right? So the, the, the pinker one is the gal, the blue one is the boy, traditional, I'm a traditionalist, all right? And for that to be a good experience, hey, let's go out and do something together, two couples. Let's go out and have some fun together. A um, couple things have to happen. One is she has to like her and her has to like she, he has to like him, and him has to like he, right? I know my grammar's bad, but just follow along, all right? So, so the gals have to like each other, the guys have to like each other, but that's not enough. That, by the way, that's how many likes is that so far? Two. No, that's four. That's four, yep. But keep paying attention, we'll get there. All right, so <laughs> then she has to like him, and she has to like him, and he has to like her, and he has to like her as well. Can you get the idea here? So now we're up to, all right, we're all together. Good. All right. And that's not enough because that's just for cross-pollinization liking, but the marriages actually have to like each other because that should not be assumed, I've learned, right? <laughs> because it's kind of awkward when you're with a couple and they're not getting along and suddenly you're on a double date together and okay, this is awkward, kind of a moment. So he has to like her, she has to like him, et cetera. Now you're up to 12. Then there's one more dynamic. 12 is a lot, by the way. That's a lot of likes. There's one more. Everybody's got to like themselves. Because if you don't like yourself, it's real hard to like others very effectively and, and be healthy, right? So, so that's like 16 likes. And I'll tell you this, if one of them is missing, the group is in trouble. If one of them is, is missing, it is a miracle that any of us have any friends at all <laughs> when you start to see all this, this, this like factor. So now take that same concept, and you can use a Facebook like if you like in your head, you know, I like you, I like you, I like you, and put eight people in a room together. To have a, this is your circle, right? How many likes is, is that? Even take out the liking yourself part. How many likes is that? 56. There's 56 likes. Somebody can correct my math later. There's 56 likes that have to take place, and if one of them is missing, it screws up the group. So if you're going to a group and you're going, I got to like everybody, you're going to have very few circles that you succeed at in life, right? And this is why the Bible never says, like one another. In other words, Jesus said, you know what? Like each other like I've liked you. Right, Because I'm not sure Jesus even liked them all the time. He didn't say that. He said, love each other. 
And here's the important thing, the difference. You can love people you don't like. Okay, parents, someday your kids are going to be teenagers. You can love people you don't like, right? You've got to get them through that, and you hope they grow out of it, but you're waiting for them to mature. And it's the same thing when you get into a group as a follower of Christ. When you get into a circle of people and you don't like someone, there's probably something wrong with them. There's probably a reason that you don't like them. There's probably something they have to grow and mature, become self-aware. I'm promising you, your circle will not be full of people who look exactly like Jesus and love exactly like Jesus. And you won't be either. And so love brings with it a whole different dynamic. It's not about liking each other. It's about bonding together in love in a church context in, in, in Christ. Right? So Romans... Paul writes it this way, Romans 12. He said, don't pretend, just pretend to love others. Really love them. Nothing about like here. You may not like them, but you've got to love them. You've got to love them. Hate what is wrong. Coach up, right? Hold tightly to what is good. Affirm each other in that way to what's good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. This is a huge difference because I promise, by the way, when it comes to, to just going out with another couple, if, if for Lori and me, if we have a problem with one of them, it is hard to go out together. But, but we can do it and we can be in a group and we can love people even when we might struggle with one aspect of someone's personality, that kind of thing. All right, so what I've hoped so far is I've convinced you and influenced you to say, wow, I need circles. Or you're thinking, oh, I'm so glad I'm in a circle. But I want to talk to those of you about how do I enter a circle? How do I enter a circle? There's two major strategies for getting into circles. Remember, to do this message, we circle up. There's an active uh, strategy and there's a passive strategy. Okay, let's talk about the passive one. If you want to be a passive, take a passive strategy circling up, what will you do? Nothing. You just wait till circle just finds you. And invites you in, and you're going, I don't understand why nobody ever invites me, and I'm not included, and I'm not in that circle. I'd like to be in that circle, but no one ever invited me to be in that circle, and I wish I could be in a circle. Doug said, I'm created for circles, and yet I don't have any. But, but, but I'm going to take a passive approach and do nothing. So what does the active people do? Something. <laughs> right, you probably have the right answer. Right? Something, right? And the key word, the whole thing rides on Do. Do. We want you to move from rows, don't abandon the rows, that's not what we're saying, from rows into circles. Right? So let me talk about circles of Crossman because there's more than one kind. And this will go fairly quickly. First of all, there are small group circles. And we have said that our dream from the very beginning of Crosswinds is for everybody, for it to be normal to be in a small group. It's just a circle. It's just a circle. We were so serious about this. We hired a new pastor last year, and we said, hey, your job, about 50% of your job, is to get people into circles, to help them circle up. So I'm going to ask Jeff to come up, and he's going to talk about how to get in a small group. All right. Thanks, Doug. Well, this is the perfect week to be talking about circles and establishing circles in our lives and moving from rows to circles because the week after next is when we have a season of six weeks of small groups starting, which makes this the perfect week to be talking about it. You know, it's almost like it was planned that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, 
So this uh, one of the primary circles that we have here at Crosswinds, as Doug said, is small groups. When I first came here and I was just having conversations with people, getting to know everybody, small groups was coming up all the time, just uh, going out to eat with somebody or grabbing coffee or talking to somebody here in the foyer, fishing in a boat with somebody. This guy's telling me how much his small group had impacted him and how it's really changed his life. Uh, you know, small groups, Doug told me early on, is the backbone of discipleship here at Crosswinds. I like to think that at Crosswinds Church, we major in small groups because it's so important. And Doug's done a great job this morning explaining circles and why we need them and the value of having them in our lives and the positive impact that it can have. And maybe you've been listening to this this morning and you've just been thinking, you know, I've been kind of flirting with this idea of getting some circles in my life and establishing some circles, maybe moving from my regular church attendance here in a row into a circle. We want to give you an opportunity to take a small step in that direction this morning. I would encourage you that if that is you to just try it, just try it for six weeks. Okay. You can have an out at the end of that six weeks, or we can try a different group. You know, we're not promising that you're going to meet your soulmate on week one of being in your new circle or your best friend or your, you know, your spouse or future spouse or whatever, but we are promising that we are creating environments that you will be able to grow spiritually and connect to God and connect to each other because, as Doug said, life change is what we aim for in these small groups, and life is better connected. It's better connected. It's just better so my promise to you is this. On your way out this morning, you pick up one of these. We will have some team members at the back handing these out. Fill out that small group portion at the bottom, the small group sign-up card at the bottom, and just take that step towards a small group. If you're an active person, if you're active strategy in approaching this, you're loving this right now because I just gave you something to do, right? If you're passive, then you can consider this your invitation, all right, pick up one of these, just fill it out, take three minutes. This could be one of those watershed things in your life that you look back on and say, man, that was just one of the best things that I ever did was taking that small step towards a circle because now it's so, so important in my life. My promise to you is that when you fill one of these out, drop it off at the welcome table on your way out, that you will be contacted this week by me and we will begin moving you from rows to circles. And if you have any questions, I'll be at the welcome table. We can chat. If you have any hesitation, we can talk that through as well. Thank you. So that's, that's kind of like a program thing that we do. There's other kinds of small groups, or not small groups, circles, right? So one of them is we, we don't have, we don't serve in rows. We serve in circles with groups face-to-face. So if you're here and you're thinking, you know what, and I'll tell you what it is. Some of us are scared to death of a small group because you go into there and you know you're going to have to talk and share. Some of us like to do stuff together. Like, and you get to know why you're doing some things. You start to build relationships that way. So if that's you, and even if it's not, we, our dream is for everybody to be on a team. But if that's you, you might, and you go, i got to start with one or the other, maybe you need to start with a team. How do you do that? Well, here's how you do it. Here's what to do. Take that connection card at the back of your program and write your name in your email and put in the back, I want to serve on a team. If you know what team you're interested in, write that down. If you don't, we're going to follow up with you. We're going to help you figure it out, try some teams, and, and get you going that way. Then the last one is there's informal circles. 
So last Tuesday, I don't know if you know this, it was the most perfect day of the year. Did you catch that last Tuesday? It was unbelievable. I woke up in the morning, I looked at the weather forecast, it was gorgeous. Last year, Lori and I built at our house a fire patio. So it's a big circle, right, amazing, with a fire pit in the middle. And we got up and I sent out an email to about six different couples who I thought, ah, it'd be fun to have them over, right? Just, it'd be fun to have them over. Invited them for that night. This is called short notice. I said, you know, it's kind of spontaneous. Can you make it? All but one couple showed up, right? And it was like, this is a miracle. I'm never planning another event in my life. I'm just going to send out an email in the morning and see what happens. But they all came over and we had no agenda. We were hanging out together. One of the people that were there, one of the couples told me last night, they said, you know, Doug, thank you so much for inviting us. And it was so nice to go to something where there was not an agenda. It was just roasting hot dogs and eating marshmallows. You know, sugar and pork, does it get any better? And, and hanging out together until the bugs were relentless, you know, that kind of thing. That's informal. It's, and I would encourage you, please, man, I want Crosswinds to have that kind of, it doesn't be six couples, two couples, another person, three people, and do something together. You know, hey, we're going to go fishing. Hey, we're going to go do this. But that's the informal part. You know, what are you doing for lunch today? It used to be you go to church and your mom would put in a pot roast. Do you remember those days in the oven? And you drive away from your house and you go to church and the whole thing was, okay, who's mom going to invite and bring home for supper? Who are we feeding this week? Because she was doing the informal circles by inviting people over. Now let me talk about one more circle and it's your most important circle. I know you're thinking Father, Son, Holy Spirit and me. But it's not. I mean, that is the most important, but that's not the one I'm talking about. The most important circle from a human perspective actually comes from all the other circles. Because from all the other circles, you're going to pick out a few people who you highly respect, who you've gotten some exposure, who you know love about you, and you're going to invite them in. They may never meet together, but you're going to invite them into your life, and you're in the center of this, and you're going to say, hey, I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about that, and they're going to become your advisory board for your life. And that's why, I mean, I've benefited so much from that. It's why I don't have to go to a counselor very often, right? Because I've got all these people coaching me and lifting me up in prayer and caring for me, people I respect, people who... And it doesn't come from one circle. It comes from all the circles. I kind of pick and I invite them into my life, and they don't even know they're on that team. I just use them, and you should too, right? So let's get to the bottom line, and we're done. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? If you're waiting for an invitation, Jeff already gave it to you, so you can't be passive. You've already been invited. What are you going to do? What card are you going to fill out? What's your next step? And the last thing I want to leave you with is, I want you to remember, there's a lot on the line. <laughs> Let's pray. God, there is a lot on the line. It, what's on the line is not only how we grow in you and become the men and women we're supposed to be, but it's the difference we make in this world with each other. Encouraging, coaching each other to follow and to hold on tight to the promises that you've made to us and hold on tight to you. And God, what kind of church we are is on the line. Because circles change the temperature from cold to warm in this room. God, thank you for the circles you've put in my life. 
the circles that are in the people's lives in this room and the circles you're going to create in the future. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. All right, thanks for coming.